0: Hey guys, I'm Chris. Hey everybody, I'm Robert. And we're the Film Flamers. And we hope that you all enjoyed that episode last week where we talked about that perfect mother-daughter combination of Carrie and Margaret. So functional. So perfect. And now we're going to bring you something also functional and perfect.
1: It's certainly a movie.
0: That's right. <laughs> we're talking about The Rage. Carrie, duh. That's right. So The Rage, Carrie too is a 1999 American supernatural horror film directed by Kat Shay, who directed Poison Ivy. It's a sequel to the 1976 horror film Carrie, based on the 1974 novel of the same name by Stephen King, and is the second film in the Carrie franchise.
1: The film stars Emily Bergle, Jason London, Dylan Bruno, J. Smith Cameron, with a guest shot by Amy Irving herself, reprising her role as Sue Snell from the original movie, originally titled The Curse. It was officially scheduled to start production in 1996, but the project stalled over two years. When the film eventually went into production under the title Carrie De Say You're Sorry, the original director quit a few weeks into production over creative differences, and Kat Shea had to come on board with a mountain of work to do.
0: Carrie 2 say you're sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, everybody. Drop trowel. This is the rage. Cassie 2. It's Carrie. (laughs) 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 2. We're all very sorry about this sequel, Cassie.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's Carrie. (laughs) Romeo and Juliet. A tale of star-crossed lovers pulled apart by their families, by society, And some might say, by fate. Now, why is it that we are so moved by love that ends with separation?
0: I don't know that I believe in it. Believe in what? Love. Who would love her? At your age, it's perfectly normal to be afraid of turning out like your parents. Is that scary for you? all your life you've known that you were different it must be nice not having to be like everybody else
1: sometimes i really wish i could just be one of the shiny happy people
0: you know come on this girl's just a skank you don't even know her. what and you do and i what do, do you know her? Her.
1: the others don't understand you at least be seen with someone cool someone who counts maybe somebody needs to teach it to them a little lesson <laughs> and they rachel don't want you around.
0: If you want to talk out your feelings... No!
1: Well, to hell with them.
0: So you want to know how I'm feeling today? When Rachel was growing up, did you ever see objects move by themselves? What is wrong with this picture? You've heard of Carrie White, haven't you? 73 people died night of the prom.
1: Next semester... Rachel! Dude, it's her,
0: it's her doing
1: it. Runs in the family. The rage carry two.
0: Man, we missed another killer party.
1: One night, an obviously insane young woman. Barbara Lang paints her house red to protect her obviously telekinetic daughter, Rachel, from demons, but police and an ambulance arrive during her home renovations. She's institutionalized, and Rachel's taken away to live with foster parents. Years later, Rachel, played by Emily Burgle, is now 18 and fairly introverted, save for her one friend Lisa, played by Mina Cervari, with whom she shares a matching tattoo of a rose and thorns. One day on the bus, Lisa tells Rachel that she'd lost her virginity over the weekend. She doesn't tell Rachel who the boy was, but it was a popular football player, Eric, played by Zachary Ty Bryan. She gives Rachel a role of film to develop to find out who the lucky guy was, because it's the 90s. Little does Lisa know that she's just another Mark in a notebook, where the popular football players record their conquests. You see, these douchebags assign points to the many girls they sleep with, and the Captain Mark, played by Dylan Bruno, is the keeper of the book. Eric rejects Lisa at school, And she commits suicide by flinging herself off of the school's roof this triggers rachel's dormant telekinetic abilities causing the lockers to open school counselor and our favorite prom massacre survivor sue snell played by amy irving talks with rachel about lisa's death and the fact that she's spent a little time at the same hospital where rachel's mom is a patient upset by the conversation rachel causes a mug to fall off sue's desk and crash to the floor this isn't sue's first rodeo so she puts on her detective hat and visits Barbara Lang at the mental institution. She learns that Rachel and the late Carrie White have the same father, because connections between movies are necessary. (laughs) Eric is concerned that he'll be blamed for Lisa's death, and confides in Mark that Lisa has taken a photo of the two of them. Mark says he'll deal with this, and along with fellow teammate Jesse, played by Jason London, they visit Rachel at her after-school job at the local Photoshop, because it's the 90s.
0: <laughs> what a stupid job!
1: <laughs> a drive-through photo development job.
0: I think they walked up to it. How do you walk up to that window? Like, where's my pictures, please?
1: Rachel has just developed Lisa's film and has seen the picture in question. Mark tries to bribe her for the photo by offering to take her out, but she refuses. Instead, she gives the picture to Sue and Sheriff Kelton, played by Clint Jordan, who wants to charge Eric with statutory rape. That evening, Rachel's dog is hit by a car, and while Jesse happens to be driving by, he's available to take them to an animal clinic, where they learn that the dog will be A-OK. Jesse and Rachel share a nice chat at the local coffee shop, because it's the 90s. When the douchey football players learn what Rachel did with the picture, they go to her house late at night and attempt to scare her by turning off the power and making an obscene phone call. Eric tries to enter through a window, but Rachel uses her mind to slam it on his hand. Sue again meets with Rachel, and tries to explain what her powers are and that there are places that study it. Rachel isn't having it, and uses her mind to break a snow globe on Sue's desk. So, Sue takes her on a little field trip to her old, burned-down high school, where she tells her the story of Carrie White, but Rachel continues to deny her abilities. Jesse decides to pursue Rachel, which angers his ex-girlfriend, Tracy. When Rachel confronts Jesse about the prank pulled by his teammates, he denies knowing anything about it, and Rachel agrees to go out with him. The charges against Eric are dropped when his rich daddy throws a fit, but Mark and his girlfriend, Monica, plot to humiliate Rachel for what she did. Mark offers the use of his parents' cabin to Jesse so he and Rachel can spend the night together. Though grounded, Rachel sneaks out to watch Jesse play footballs and gets invited to a party with the popular kids. Jesse's late to the party when his ex, Tracy, holds him up. At the party, Rachel feels like she's accepted, but suddenly she appears on the TVs. Someone recorded she and Jesse having sex and is now broadcasting it to everyone at the party. Mark reveals their sex notebook and shows her that she was just a score to Jesse, along with her dead best friend. Rachel has had e fucking enough. Her tattoo thorns spread throughout her body for some reason, and she becomes Dark Phoenix. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Calm down, Jean White.
1: <clears throat> As her power is triggered, she closes the door so no one can escape. She shatters windows, sending glass flying into the party-goers. Others are killed when Rachel sends CDs flying through the air, because it's the 90s. (laughs) Soon, the entire house is on fire, and people are freaking out. Sue arrives with Rachel's mom randomly in an attempt to calm her down, but Sue has come just at the wrong time. Rachel sends a fire poker at a boy's head, killing him, and Sue, right on the other side of the door. Mark, Eric, and Monica arm themselves with random harpoon and flare guns and attempt to confront Rachel in the backyard. Rachel shatters Monica's glasses all up in her eyes, Who then accidentally shoots eric in the balls with her spear gun mark shoots rachel with a flare gun and she falls into the pool using her powers to extend the pool cover she pulls mark in with her drowning him but frees herself from the pool cover with his spear gun so handy jesse and tracy finally arrive to see the destruction firsthand rachel kills tracy by making the ceiling collapse jesse attempts to get rachel to leave but he notices the video playing he says he didn't know it was being recorded, but Rachel doesn't believe him until she witnesses on the screen saying he loved her while she was sleeping. When the ceiling above them starts to collapse, she moves Jesse just in the nick of time, but is pinned down herself. Jesse tries to save her, but after they share a kiss, she sends him flying away safely to the covered pool below. Rachel succumbs to her injuries and dies in the burning house. One year later, Jesse's attending university with Rachel's dog. He studies one night, as Rachel enters the room, they kiss before she explodes into ashes. Jesse awakes from his nightmare and looks at himself in the mirror, where he keeps a picture of Rachel. The End We love it when there's a question mark at the end of our synopses. I mean, I assume
0: there could be a carry three in certain cases. But that's not, shall we? <laughs> <laughs> Wow, there's a lot going on in that really terrible movie. (laughs) So, Carrie 2 was released on March 12, 1999, uh, my freshman year in college. It opened second in the box office that weekend with an opening debut of $7 million. It opened behind Analyze This and other movies that topped the box office that weekend include Cruel Intentions, Baby Geniuses, and The Deep End of the Ocean Chris's Favorite Cry.
1: (laughs) It is. And I was actually in, uh, I was a sophomore in high school.
0: Great. Thank you for that. (laughs) Now I'm feeling the rage, Gary 2.
1: Yeah. So it hit me at the right time, I guess. But um, the movie would fall out of the top 10 by its third week and it would eventually go on to earn 17 million against a reported budget of 21 million, making the film a box office
0: disappointment. Womp, womp. Gary 2 has a 22% on Rotten Tomatoes (laughs) and holds an audience score of 33%. The site's consensus reads, as disposable as its predecessor is indispensable, the Rage Carry 2 mimics the arc of Stephen King's classic story without adding anything of value. It has a Metacritic rating of 42, indicating mixed or average reviews.
1: I love that. As disposable as its predecessor is indispensable.
0: (laughs) It is by far possibly one of the best (laughs) site consensus we've ever read
1: on Mm. our show. Roger Ebert gave the film two out of four stars, stating the original carry worked because it was skillful teenage drama grafted onto a horror ending. Also, of course, because De Palma and his star, Sissy Spacek, made the story convincing. The rage carry, too, is more like a shadow. Mm. Well, that was very kind of him.
0: Dennis Harvey of Variety panned the film, noting that it uses the original as a blueprint, but leaves out all the wit, sympathy, and bravado. Okay. Yeah, yeah I think it was missing a few things, but it did have some accolades. That's right. That's right. At the Saturn Awards, it was nominated for Best Performance by a Younger Actor or Actress, and that's Emily Burgle. I thought she did all right, yeah. yeah.
1: At the Fangoria Chainsaw Awards, it was also nominated for Best Actress.
0: And at something called the Stinker Awards.
1: You <laughs> <It> couldn't <laughs> it, even afford a
0: raspberry? I know, it was just, just like the, the like, poorer cousin of the raspberries, I guess, the Stinker Awards. It won Worst Prequel or Sequel.
1: It has developed a cult following, despite its, you know, critical failings, and many fans argue that it was unfavorably compared to the original, rather than being taken by its own merit, and some even prefer it to the original. Who? <laughs> well, some people are wrong.
0: <laughs> some people are wrong about things, which, you know. When I think about the people who prefer this to the original, I feel the rage, Gary, too. <laughs> <laughs> I just do. Although, I mean, like, again... You know, we say, like, I mean, everyone's entitled to their own opinions, and that's great, you know? So if, if this is, like, your favorite movie and you like it better than the original Carrie, that's perfectly fine. Well, honestly, like, I, outside of the people that made the film, like, <laughs> the director
1: and the writer who never wrote anything, as far as I know, after this, um, you know, the the cast actually went on and had, and had a great career for most of them, I feel like. I, like, Emily Burgle's been through a shit ton of things in her career including mindhunter recently on which i
0: totally forgot until you like brought it up i had to like have that recovered memory but yeah i mean she appears to have a huge career with television
1: yeah and jason london her love interest in the film um he he went on to do a, a billion like tv shows
0: yeah well and he was in lots of movies in the 90s too right i mean he's in like um so he was in Dazed and Confused in the early 90s, right? And so mm-hmm. like, he really like caught fire after that and just was in a ton of everything, right? You just could not escape Jason London. Or I think he also had a twin, too. So I mean, there was just like all kinds of Londons running around in movies.
1: Yeah, it also had uh, people like Zachary Ty Bryan, who was the oldest kid from Home Improvement. Mm-hmm. Right. The, that popular nineties sitcom. And then also, uh, Mina Suvari, of all people, who had like the best 1999 of, of anyone ever, I think, because she had, I don't know if they all came out in '99, but thereabouts, right? And then there was American Pie, American Beauty, you know, uh, and of course later on, she was an American Horror Story. So she just likes to be in America, (laughs) apparently.
0: She was really good in, um, America, American Beauty. I thought, I thought her character was good, right? I mean, I like that movie a lot, too. And, I mean, Mina Savari is probably, like, the most likable person from American Thai, aside from Allison <laughs> Hannigan. I don't know. So, like,
1: she's – she's. I don't know if she's considered a great beauty. But for some people, like, famously, she looks weird. Right? So, like, I was watching this with Matt. And the first thing he said is, like, is she an alien?
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I, I think that people who look – different right outside of like normal beauty or whatever i really enjoy that so. no that's
1: true beauty to me like the the people yeah. that actually have something interesting going on with their faces like, like a cow prince, eyes like or like yeah cow eyes francis mcdormand for instance yes or, you know people that have a little bit unique beauty right mm-hmm. like mina safari is a really good example of that but it might go in like one direction a little too far you know and look like an alien sometimes but that's you <laughs> know like who is it? fucking amanda seyfried or something you know yeah
0: I mean, I I think she's really pretty, too. So maybe that's cow eyes.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, whatever. (laughs) All these people are beautiful people.
0: Well, I Um, think it's exceptionally beautiful,
1: actually. Yes.
0: But I think one of my favorite actresses from this movie is Rachel Blanchard. Who played Monica? Right.
1: Yeah, she was kind of like a bit part. She did have a, a really. She did steal the scenes whenever she was in them, but she plays like the ex girlfriend's best friend. That was like the linchpin and all the evil plans.
0: Yeah, she was there like front and center, like making all the plans. And she was a good mean girl. She was like an evil Marsha. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> Marsha, Marsha, Marsha.
1: But she had like the glasses on and everything. But she, uh, th- I think it would tone her down to where she wouldn't be maybe as pretty as the, like the main ex girlfriend. Yeah. But uh, she went on to play Cher
0: in the TV version of Clueless. And that boggles my mind because when I was watching this, I was like, God, I've seen her in other things and I just could not place it. I didn't bother to look her up. (laughs) But I mean, like, thankfully you told me and I was just like, yes, she did play Cher in that TV show. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But lest we forget, uh, Amy Irving came back as Sue Snell. That's right. We um, our favorite final girl from Carrie. Well, the only final girl from Carrie is why she's final is back.
1: 87 years later.
0: <laughs> After doing some time at that institution, yep. now she's a counselor herself. Now, interestingly, she did go back and um, and
1: ask for permission from De Palma to, really? to do this. And he, she got
0: his blessing, yeah. I wonder if she regrets <laughs> I don't know. I mean, like if you get to revisit a character, I I don't know. I mean, you get to revisit a character that you played so long ago. I'm sure that, you know, she sort of leapt at it or whatever, but um, I don't know. I mean, and as we get into the movie a little bit, I think like this movie just plays fast and loose with its connections. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's just one of them for me. Yeah. So I I don't know much about the background and how this got
1: made. And if Stephen King was like contacted at all to write a script or a sequel, or to approve one. Like, I've seen zero evidence of any Stephen King involvement, and I I can't find it anywhere. Like, there's no... uh, Maybe if I found, like, an original DVD of this, maybe there would be some sort of, like, bonus content about how this really got made, but I have my suspicions.
0: It's not the first time that a sequel has been made to Stephen King's work. Right. I mean, we have like Pet Cemetery 2 and things like that. So, well, if if we think about last week's
1: episode and we know that he sold the rights to Carrie and I don't know how long that is. Obviously, these people have the rights and didn't have to include him at all. So what I'm thinking is based on kind of the current events or the earlier events in the in the 90s, they were going to make this thriller or horror film about about kind of that, but make it, you know, attach it to one of the properties they might own. Yeah. Right. So I think they were just like, you know, something that even still happens today with uh, the Clover Field. Like they'll just attach that, <laughs> that right. name to different random movies <laughs> to make it, to make more people watch it. Right. So I think that's part of what this was, um, was being like, you know, what if one of these girls had the, the ability to like, revenge on these people that were that we're kind of like preying on them, this toxic masculinity and what do we have on our properties that can like make this movie like go further. And oh, we have this uh carry franchise we could try and do something with. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, but that's so weird to me, though. We're talking like 23 years later. They're going to make yeah. a sequel to Carrie, right? And they're going to market it to like 90s teens who may or may not have seen Brian De Palma's Carrie, you know? yeah. Obviously, I think that Stephen King is a big enough of a household name. And I think Carrie is, too, to like sort of like try the concept of a sequel. But well, maybe in the late 90s, you know, uh,
1: Stephen King adaptions were there, but they weren't great a lot of them right and some tv stuff was happening but really he's not what he is today no i mean yeah the renaissance
0: that has happened now is much better than stuff that
1: we got yeah he was a household name maybe but i mean he wasn't anything like he is today as far as like the notoriety and the adaptions that we have enjoyed over the last you know five ten years um but the the kind of the events that um that i'm talking about has to do with the spur posse but before i get into that we should mention that the author of this it was written by Raphael Moreau who actually wrote the movie Hackers which is another quintessential 90s film
0: I have not seen that movie in quite I haven't even thought about that movie in quite some time that's right in like her first big role (laughs) right and then she went on to do Gia after that I haven't thought about Hackers in forever
1: I need to see Gia too (laughs)
0: She is so good. I love
1: the Hacker soundtrack when it was out like in the 90s. I loved all like, Prodigy in there.
0: Yes. Every time a movie came out in the 90s I was excited about it. the first thing I did was like look and see what songs were on the soundtrack. God I miss the 90s so much.
1: Yeah. Jesus. A lot of great soundtracks. They, they first started like bringing in bands to do stuff and like really do some inventive things like the spawn soundtrack is a good
0: example of that my favorite soundtrack of all time is i know what you did last summer i listened to it all the fucking time (laughs) (laughs) yeah but uh yeah so uh, outside of hackers
1: and this film i don't think Raphael ever wrote another movie as, as far as i
0: can find Well, I mean, I think he kind of found this one (laughs) anyway.
1: So (laughs) So, I don't know, but uh, you'd think the studio would first, you know, maybe he, he came up with this idea in the studio, you know, but it's like, how do you come to this without actually contacting Stephen King? So I don't know. I don't know the story. We don't know it. You know, it's the information's not out there. If anyone has the access to that information and knows it, let us know. We'd be interested to know. I'm going to tweet at Stephen
0: King after we're done recording and see what he says.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, I actually haven't done any research to see if there's any like anything floating around with quotes or tidbits about what he has to, had to say about the Rage Carry Two.
0: I mean, I think at some point he's just like humbled that people are making movies about his material, right? So he's not going to say anything like super negative or positive if he doesn't really. care Yeah. That much, I mean, he right? did
1: direct Maximum Overdrive. What could he possibly say about this movie? Oh my
0: God, Emilio, calm down. It's a good movie. <laughs> tell me about the spur posse though i mean as i'm a huge true crime fanatic and i don't really know what this is based on really so yeah the the plot heavily borrows from the
1: real life 1993 incidents in which a group of high school jocks known as the spur posse were involved in a sex scandal right so the spur posse was a group of high school boys from lakewood california who used a point system to keep track of and compare sexual attacks and statutory rapes and uh, the founder of the group chose the name Spur Posse when, of course, one of their favorite basketball player of theirs, David Robinson, signed with the San Antonio Spurs. Oh God, that's, that's the only reason they call it that, right? It's so, so typical. Gross. The group came to national attention on March 18th, 1993, when the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department arrested a number of the members for various sexual crimes. Prosecutors later dropped all but one of the charges after being unable to prove most of the encounters were non-consensual. Although many were with underage girls, some as young as
0: 10. What?
1: Yeah. Well, these guys were like 16 to 18 having sex with like – I don't know if they're like attributed higher points to the younger the girl or something, but that would have been – like there's, there's some stories of like uh, one girl said that she was in bed late at night when a teenager appeared at her window and demanded sex from her and she complied because of the rumors that the Spurs would harm women who resisted.
0: Oh my fucking god!
1: Yeah, so uh, police had the opportunity to prosecute uh, the considerably older boys for statutory rape, but they declined to do so. <sighs> right. So members of the spur posse proceeded to make the rounds on tabloids and uh, the the TV talk show circuits.
0: So we made them fucking celebrities,
1: right? So I mean, and and this shit's still happening, right? Like yeah. the 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 dumpster rapist guy at the school, like, and then the there's uh, another guy that like ran over people like in, i think in texas here yeah, right? in, it was like Arlington, it was called right here yeah uh affluenza or mm-hmm. <laughs> whatever and and it's just like oh you're gonna ruin this person's life and you know it's just like well fuck you ruin their life they ruined other people they yeah, killed you people. already ruined they raped 10 year olds ruin their fucking lives
0: good god okay i fucking mean like, privilege <laughs> for real this is ridiculous and i think like watching this movie i think that they they sort of like gloss over the the note keeping right yeah it's like the impetus for what you know causes everything to happen but by and largely like they don't really focus on that too much no it's a catalyst
1: it's a catalyst and and i could feel like they were trying to give women back their agency here just by like putting you know obviously violence with violence not justice right Right. and so i feel like this kind of thing got twisted it should have been you know a, a you know a message movie a drama you know or even a thriller or something you know um You know, it could have been a really good Fincher movie or something in my opinion, but like, you know, this, the way they did it and turning it into like, it really should have been its own thing. They they put two things together that shouldn't have been together into one movie and it doesn't really, doesn't really work. I feel like it needed this, that whole list making thing, the statutory rape thing should have been much more of a a focus, but. I don't know. Like it's, it's hindsight
0: too, because this movie almost is more relevant now. Yeah, I agree. I think, I mean, if this movie were made and released today, I think they would have made it a little differently. I think they would have um, really focused on that, you know, like during the me too movement. Right. I think this movie is, is very present in, in today's conversation. Right. And, and not to say that it wasn't in the nineties too. I think that we were starting to really, you know, come to know, like how often people are date raped and things like that, right? And so they they were trying to use that as a catalyst in the movie, like you said. The thing that bothers me the most is the connections that you brought up, right? They try so hard to connect this movie to Carrie, yeah. and it would have just been a better movie without any of that. It's okay to have two different telekinetic girls in two different movies. Just call it the rage. Yeah,
1: and I think they just, like I said, they just wanted to piggyback on that brand, you know, so people would go flock to the you know, to the box office, to the Megaplex, you know, which is something that, that some franchises have been very brave not to do like Dr. Sleep could have been the shining two, Dr. Sleep. Yeah. You know, but they, they decided not to do that. Although some of the marketing, you know, steered that way, um, you know, but still it was fairly brave of them to do that. And, you know, obviously it didn't make as much money as we, we would have wanted it to, but you know, still, The career uh, of the people involved in making that film is going in the right direction. That's true. And, I mean, unlike the... uh, Unlike these people. (laughs) (laughs) Because it was a really good fucking movie, regardless of how much money it made.
0: But it did suffer the same, right? So we're talking about low box office for Carrie 2 and low box office for Dr. Sleep. And again, we're talking about making a, a sequel for a movie 20 or 30 years later, right? Where it's maybe not quite omnipresent in people's minds. Yeah. So I just don't know. Like, So I, I saw Carrie 2 in the theater, right? Did, did you as well?
1: Wait, I'm trying to decide if more time. Has passed since Carrie, the Rage Carrie 2 <laughs> to now <laughs> than the original Carrie to, to the Rage Carrie
0: 2. <laughs> and I think it's passed more time. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, that's way too much math and it just makes me feel super old. So, <laughs> so
1: 22 years <laughs> since uh, since this movie came out.
0: Yes. And uh, before 23 that, years. So, Carrie came out in 76. So, yeah, right around the same time. <laughs> People whatever it's right in the middle <laughs> <laughs> fuck <laughs> but yeah, I was super ready to see Carrie too um, I was a sucker in the 90s too I mean I obviously like horror movies but I mean anytime they had some f- flashy marketing campaign I also already liked Carrie and Stephen King so I was super ready to go see this movie in the yeah. theater and um, I didn't watch it again after that until we decided to record about it.
1: So, you know, I don't even actually think
0: I watched
1: this until I was in college. Like, I don't think I picked it up until I was like, you know, surfing in a Blockbuster somewhere. Really? Yeah. No, I
0: paid good money to see this movie <laughs> in the theater.
1: <laughs> Maybe I did too. I'm not sure. Uh, but I, I, think, I think I waited. I think I waited until I was, you know, um, a little bit older. But st- even still, it was still like. 2000 you know or 2001 when i saw it yeah uh at the latest you know and it wasn't quite as aged i don't remember it being this this age this 90s like Carrie seems less aged than this (laughs) like you know the things that are the things that are um, you know iconic you know and classics somehow seem less aged you know but this is so reliant on all of the little quirks of editing and look and feel and music and like technology and it's so flaunting of all those things that that's
0: what ages it so hardcore you cannot name drop in movies, you can't be like, don't they have any good music here, like some garbage? Shirley Manson rocks. You can't just do that. <laughs> or, or kill people with CDs. <laughs> yes. You know, I mean, like not I mean, I love Shirley Manson. and I love garbage and I always will. But I love them because I grew up in the 90s. Yeah. You know, so you can't just like drop names like that and expect people 22 years later to be like, who? What?
1: Yeah, I'm glad that like Carrie in the '70s or like Piper Laurie was on. Like,
0: I love the BJs. You know, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I mean, like everything in that movie, the original Carrie feels timeless. Yeah. You know, and like this movie doesn't. It feels very timeful of that particular time period.
1: Yeah. Unless you say something like "I love Cher," which is you know timeless, I guess.
0: Yes, she'll forever be timeless. Yeah. I mean, do you believe in life after Cher? <laughs> I certainly don't. <laughs> yeah, but I mean like even like dating the movie itself, like it's it really just boils down to to script to me, right? Yeah. The dialogue in this movie is kind of ridiculous.
1: Some of it is very
0: much so, yes. I mean, I think my favorite part is where uh Rachel's talking to Jesse and she's like, "But you have a real talent. You have football." You know, I was just like <laughs>
1: Yeah, Nobody the, would say that. The writing is the real enemy of this movie because like, I feel like they were trying to make Sue Snell kind of a Miss Collins character, but she seemed ridiculous because yeah. the way it came across in the script and kind of the performance was like, hey, you need to be studied versus like, I'm going to help you mm-hmm. or take care of you. It came through as trauma from her. And I guess that was written in, you know, and that she wanted to protect herself and the other students more than she wanted to, to protect uh, Rachel. You know, and so like that whole thing was missing, and then they tried to kind of bring back this whole like familiar trauma, familial trauma thing going on with like the foster family, yeah. but that only happened kind of at the beginning. And I feel like the original movie Carrie was complex enough with its familial drama, you know, to have that drama all the way through and kind of cap it with that.
0: Yeah, you it know, was a huge part of that movie.
1: If she had come home and had like some sort of confrontation with her foster family or something else, I don't know. Killer dog. (laughs) Accidentally. (laughs) I don't know, something to kind of cap it, you know, because it was very, very simplistic compared to the original Carrie as far as, like, emotionally themed.
0: And when they did include her mother in this movie, it was so very, like... Stupid. Yeah, like, why, you know? And I don't... The whole subplot about Rachel being, you know... Carrie's half sister or whatever. They had the same father. Yeah. white. Mm-hmm. And Her I'm father like, was a whore. And <laughs> I mean, I was just like, I don't, we don't have to do any of that. I mean, you don't have to connect all these dots. I think people are smart enough to see Carrie too. And not have to be like, well, it's the same dad and the males, the carrier for this gene or whatever. I was like, you're doing too much. Just calm down just a little bit. We get it. Okay. <laughs> it's okay.
1: <laughs> Ugh. What else can we shit on in this movie?
0: <laughs> I know. I mean, I I hate it when we like shit on movies so fully. I don't I don't really hate this movie, really. You know, I mean, I I actually really liked it when it came out, like a lot more
1: than I do now. At least I think I would have given it at least like a three and a half back when it came out. But now yeah. I'm giving it a well, I'm not going to spoil our yeah. later. we
0: have questions. Yeah, so just hold on. You hold on to that rating, okay? Yeah. But um, I think the the better part of both of these movies is. You know, the massacres, right? I think that's what, you you come for the drama and love, but you stay for the massacre, right? Mm -hmm. And you can't have a Carrie movie without killing a bunch of people at some sort of, like, party.
1: Yeah, and it was like a random party. There was no real significance to the community for it at all. And so it was like, it had less meaning than, you know, Carrie's did. It was less of an event. It was more of like a random thing. So, like, the Rich Boy Mansion versus the high school gym, you know, it didn't even compare. And it's just, it's so much more traumatically filmed and stylistically done in the original Carrie, even though it's like half as bloody yeah. or not as bloody at all, it's somehow much more horrific in the in the original film than this one.
0: Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. I think that just because like this, this was sort of like Carrie's first time being around some of these people in a social setting, right? Rachel knew these people. I mean, and I don't know. Like you said, the party was sort of like insignificant. It's sort of like they had the party just to like – You know, tease her or bully her, and or was this like a typical Friday? Party or parents out of town party,
1: you know, and they just hijacked it to just like ruin this person's life.
0: I will say, I think I'm having a recovered memory right now, just right now, uh, watching this movie. And I I was because you're waiting for like the destruction. Right. And I will say that my 19 year old mind back then was just like, yes, people are getting killed with CDs. And it seemed a little bit more technical and explosive and violent. Right. And I was I was okay with that. But I mean, even, even the party scene is gets a little silly sometimes. Who has fucking spear guns in their house? Ew. (laughs) Where the fucking harpoons come from? Yeah. I mean, like, I'm going to buy some now just in case. I mean, but who has this shit? And then like, why would you grab that? They're like, okay, let's get these spear guns and the flare gun and we're going to get her. I mean, like, come on now. But yeah, I mean, like some of the deaths were a little bit you know better but yeah i still kind of wince at the, the glasses breaking into her oh eyeballs. my god that's the best that's the best part <laughs> she makes those glasses break the thing is that i don't wear glasses and you do so it's a little closer to home i think
1: yeah. right to me the best part of this movie is probably the romance right they did up the romantic tragedy more than the original film i uh-huh. think and you it's almost more believable because the guy is kind of
0: in love with her Yeah, I think he is very much in love with her. He says it a lot, you know, and
1: so he's very earnest about that. And I think our two performers here were really, really good about selling that romance and interest in each other. And I believe it. And um, I just wish they had done more with that or focused more on that versus like all the stupid 90s crap Mm -hmm. or the familiar crap, you know, trying to like tie it to Carrie. You know, they should have, you know, held it a little bit closer to the chest, left it a little bit more of a mystery, you know, like make it a possibility and never show us her mom and the stupid... (laughs)
0: yeah Ugh. anyway whatever um i mean they really made some artistic choices in that prologue right so i mean like we're we're, we're treated to a very interesting opening in this movie and yeah. like there's no payoff we know immediately that she has like these powers and she keeps saying that she she keeps denying that she has the powers throughout the movie so when she obviously knows she does yeah. you know it's it's so ridiculous to me just just awful yeah. i don't know to me the best parts of this movie are the snippets of Brian De Palmas carry they add into it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, thank God they had those moments. I was watching this on Tubi and I was looking forward to the commercial breaks, you know?
1: So oh, man. I don't well, know. I, I was able to see I have YouTube premium, so I was able to see it for free. Mm-hmm. Um I, you still have to buy or rent movies on YouTube, so it might be free for everyone. I don't know on YouTube movies, but it says it was it's like free. Maybe it's just one of those things that is free for for members, but I don't know. I didn't have to watch commercials. To me, the worst thing about this movie was the some of the way it was filmed with, like, the weird, like, black and white every once in a while, like, like you know, st- stop motion, you know, watching a GIF black and white, like, yeah. <laughs> portions of it. <laughs> it was kind of avant-garde, but it wasn't done, like, with any meaning. Mm-hmm. You know, so it was a
0: little, like, I guess in a kind of a De Palma kind of way. It was a little masturbatory. I mean, I will not sit here and let you talk about De Palma that way, but still you're <laughs> right. And <laughs> I know that this director has made some really good movies. I really, I mean, I don't know about... Yeah, yeah, but maybe when the Palma
1: movies. is masturbatory, it has a meaning. Yeah, this person, you know, it, it didn't. It was just like weird, random, artistic. You know, there is one random like fast forward thing <laughs> into the <De> Palma <laughs> thing. Yeah, luckily that didn't happen in this one. Um, <laughs> you know, but still, it was it was not really great. I
0: great mean, Catech made Poison Ivy, right? And it's a good movie. Well, and, and to so, her credit,
1: you know, she had to come in and just start directing this thing, drop everything and direct it because the the last one like
0: quit. And it's hard to pick up the pieces, especially when the movie's already floundering, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, God bless her for, for trying. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, the movie made some money, mm-hmm. right? And like well, we that, said, it has a co-following. Cool so. That
1: previous director did dodge a bullet. <laughs> <True>. <laughs> so I have a fun fact for you. <laughs>
0: A fact? One fact? A fact. A <laughs> fact. What is yes. it?
1: So during the filming of the climactic party, the bloodbath sequence, it took three attempts to shoot Rachel using her uh, tele- telekinetic powers to shatter the glass doors. So on the first take, Emily Bergel flinched. And on the second take, she showed her clenched teeth. So on the third take, they were able to finish the scene as they wanted it with her showing no facial reaction. But real glass shattered by the blowers was used for the scene, and Emily received multiple cuts on her skin, back arms, legs, and backside, after the shooting of each take. Oh, my God. Right? So she is deliberately not shown or filmed afterward from the back to hide her injuries. Holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> and you can see it. You can see it filmed. They only did three takes because they had to, gla- they had to shatter the whole wall of glass. And that's how most people, I think, in the party die, is that first bit. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, yeah, you can see it hitting her. And you do see her
0: kind of flinch a little bit. Oh my lord. Yeah. I would've stood the shit out of these people. (laughs) (laughs) She might have. We don't know. (laughs) That is terrible. Yeah. Well, that was an interesting fun fact. (laughs) But we have some questions to ask about the Rage Carrie Two. Like we do about every movie that we deep dive into on the film flamers. And we'll start with Is the Rage Carrie Two a horror movie? Sure. I mean we'll give it that. It's certainly a movie. And it has horror in it. That's right. I would even say that this is more of a horror movie than Carrie. So
1: I don't know. They both kind of end in horror, but they're not really horror throughout, you know? Yeah. It's more of a drama. Same same with Carrie. It's kind of has that same beat to it.
0: Maybe it's just that like the violence that like ramps up so much in this one. That's yeah. yeah I think it shows more. Yeah. Cause by the late nineties, you could show a lot more blood and things like that. And so it was just different. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. But yes, I mean, obviously it's a horror movie. Were you scared watching Carrie too? Uh, I, I don't think, I don't think so.
1: Um, Certainly not when I saw that tattoo growing on her body for no fucking reason.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, she was using her powers.
1: No, I don't think I was afraid.
0: Yeah. I mean, I was afraid for other reasons. I wasn't scared, you know, watching yeah. it, but... No. I don't. Yeah. No. I mean, uh, not really scared. Um, so out of five stars, what would you give The Rage? Carry two. Uh,
1: I give The Rage, Cassie 2, a two.
0: <laughs> I think I also gave it two stars, <laughs> which is a low rating for me. Like, yeah. normally I'm like... That's your lowest rating, essentially. Yeah. yeah. Normally I'm like three stars, you know, but I don't know. I was just like... I don't remember this movie being so bad, and uh, I know that people like it. And I, I'm afraid I'm not I'm not afraid to shit on a movie that I don't care for, but yeah, I mean, like it's it's just not it's not well made, it's not well written. If I again, like, if I had seen it more in a vacuum, yeah, you know, and this has happened to us before. It's true.
1: Uh, if I had seen this in a vacuum, <laughs> you know, right after seeing De Palma's Carrie, yeah, you know, seeing the Rage, Cassie too. <laughs> <laughs> Does not compare. You've got it like a TV director with not, you know, a lot of cred and then a horrible script,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, and the fairly good actors trying to do their best with it, but like bad story beats and weird connections. And it's just a mess. And to watch, to watch that back to back, you know, I remember enjoying this film, but watching it right after the, the original Carrie is. Something else.
0: So let's talk about the franchise a little bit then. So we give Carrie high stars and we give Carrie two low stars. Where do you think the most recent remake fits in? Do you like that more than this sequel? No, I actively disliked it. Yeah, okay. I remember liking this
1: one at first back when it first came out twenty years ago. <laughs> but uh, when the when the last remake came out ten years ago, you know, I was looking forward to it because I love I loved you know all those actors you know that were into it, and um, it didn't do much for me. I would rather watch the remake of. It Kyrie. was like going through the motions, the whole fucking thing.
0: Yeah, I mean they they were like just phoning it in. I would still rather watch that remake than watch Carrie two again. Yeah, I mean, I'll
1: have to day. I'll have to revisit it because I I had expectations and they weren't met. And uh, certainly after seeing the Palmas again, like I don't I, I want to maybe have some space. Before I watch that, just so I don't get angry.
0: (laughs) Well, as it turns out, we don't have to watch any more carries because we've done them all now for, (laughs) I mean, at least like these two. Right. So I think we're good on Carrie. But before we head off to prom night, we have to talk about who the hottest guy is in the rage. Cassie, too. (laughs) It's Carrie.
1: So I'm gonna say it's Dylan Bruno, as I, Mark being the the uh, the football player. Like I guess he's captain of the team who owns the mansion or whatever.
0: The douchiest of all the football players.
1: Yeah, the one he was actually smart though. Like, and he was also um, the boyfriend of our favorite chick in the film, Charlotte mm-hmm. Ariana, is the Tracy. That's right, or whatever. And um, yeah, I think that he was smart, but evil, mm-hmm. but also hot.
0: He's very hot. This is also my choice for okay. the hottest guy in the movie. He's so good looking in this. Normally I
1: choose the good guy, but this guy, this, his hotness transcended the good guys. Yes. Because he was so smart. You know, he actually was very convincing when he was like, here's my cabin and here's everything mm. I'm going to do for you. And here's, I'm going to apologize to her and, and everything else. His ego got out of the way, like in his toxic masculinity, he knew how to, he was smart enough to like step aside all the other jocks in the movie who were stupid dumbasses, you know, and like use it. Against people, and so it was kind of impressive in a way compared to all the other dumbasses in the movie.
0: Yeah, I mean, we're treated to Zachary Ty Bryan's ass. Was that his in this movie? Yeah, because doesn't he tell him to drop No,
1: I think it was Dylan's ass because he was the captain.
0: Oh, I can't, I can't remember. I mean, it was someone's ass. Even either, either either way, I mean, like we're given like a football coach who's like drop trowel. right? And Like it's <laughs> my favorite scene in the movie. <laughs> I'm like fucking ass ahoy and. But, yeah, Dylan Bruno is so hot in this movie. Certainly not Jason London, Jeremy London, whichever London it is in this movie. I don't know. He doesn't even seem like He's somebody cute. who would play football. He yeah. seems too frail.
1: I don't know. Well, certainly wouldn't have looked it with a shaved head.
0: He looks like more of a poet. You know <laughs> what I mean? So. A dead poet in a society. No. No. <laughs> okay, that's enough. No more Rage Carry 2. We would like to know what you think about this movie, though, and you can let us know on social media, at The Film Flamers, on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. You can call us
1: on our hotline at 972-666-7733,
0: or you can email us at com. Please, tell us what you think. It's okay. Call into that voicemail line, guys. They're all not going to laugh at you. It's okay. <laughs> um, if you need even more Film Flamers content, head over to patreon.com slash the Film Flamers to find all of our bonus content. We had another poll this month for our bonus episode, and everyone chose Disturbing Behavior. Well, not everyone, but well, was not was the everyone. Winner, yeah. Uh, yeah. A majority of people chose Disturbing Behavior, so we're gonna about to go watch that right now. That's true.
1: And next week, we're bringing you our latest top 10 into high
0: school horror that's right it's been a while since we've done a top 10 episode prom lightning strike (laughs) (laughs) well Chris I think it's just about time for me to go off and fluff my dirty pillows I pray you find Jesus (laughs) I never will but while I wait to I'll have some sweet sweet dreams. dreams There wasn't enough Dirty Pillows conversations in this. They didn't yeah. even say those good lines. Yeah. If you're going to make connections to a movie, you know, be like, they're all going to laugh at you or something. They did do it. Did they? Yeah. I mean, it just completely blocks it out. Was stupid. it? We're done. <laughs> <laughs>